This week between Christmas and New Year's often affords some time with family, and we indeed had that time. Our family of six traveled down to Virginia to meet my in-laws, Michael's side of the family, who all live south of the Mason-Dixon line. So this was a halfway point, pretty much, some coming from Tennessee and some coming from North Carolina. And it was great to be together. It was profound, though, to me in a way different than I remember in years past, how the similarities are surely there in the family. You know, I have a great relationship with my father-in-law, having known him now for 25 years. He's always been dad when I call him, you know, to his face, dad. But in my head, he's Mr. Alltop. And it was interesting on a few occasions when we were together over these days that I realized my husband is becoming Mr. Alltop. <laughs> Changes are happening, and he is most definitely his father's son. And there were things that happened while we were together that made me remember he's most definitely his mother's son. Mannerisms, turns of phrase, various expressions. We can't shake that reality that we do carry forward things from our parents. And nature or nurture, who knows what kind of combination it is, but it is certainly there. Maybe you've noticed this on Christmas cards. I know it has been profound to me also in that. Some of you send us cards, and I don't know, perhaps your children, um, because they're grown up and out of the house, but golly, there's a strong family resemblance. Certain smiles or posture, the way people hold their bodies, and you think, oh my goodness, are those not parent and child? It is so obvious as they stand together framed in this photo. How is it that we carry forward some of these particular characteristics? And how is it that we grow into the likeness of our parents? Indeed, by these same Christmas cards, I came to see that I'm in a different phase of life. Our friends, our close friends, our contemporaries, the people that are our age, we all have kids now that are bigger. And we have shifted now, in my mind, from people with children to parents. We look like parents now. Our faces have changed. Our hair has changed. Our people are taller than us. I think, wow, how did that happen? There's a definite shift that's happened here. And it is surprising, as you can see to me, how, how this evolves over time. In our lessons today, both the letter to the Galatians and John's gospel, we see reference to being children of God. And so using these real-life experiences of this Christmas season, I came to reflect on what that might mean. How do we look like children of God? Paul's letter to the Galatians is the first piece of writing that we have on what it means to be a Christian, the very first thing ever written. And John's gospel is the last piece that's been written on what it means to be a Christian. And both of them refer to being children of God. It's a profound image meant to help us find ourselves. So it makes me wonder, how is it that we look like our holy parent? If people were to see us, would they say, oh my goodness, I see such a strong family resemblance there. It's uncanny. Did you know 
how much you look like your parent? I began to wonder, what does it mean to look like a child of God? What do people see reflected in us that reveals who we are? We are made children of God not only through adoption but through blood. And it is because of God's love for us that we learn how to be God's children. God came among us to show us how to do it in Jesus. If we read the scriptures, we see Jesus demonstrate what it means to be the Son of God. Perhaps you've noticed in the Gospels that he goes away often to pray. He has to steal away to pray. It's not ever convenient for him. We know this because of the reaction of those who are always looking for him. They find him in prayer. They need him. Where did he go? In one gospel passage, the disciples were hunting for Jesus. They were looking everywhere. So Jesus, like us, finds it essential to have that communion with the Father, that one-on-one time to remember who he is and whose he is. And it takes a concerted effort to make that time. Another thing that we see in Jesus is God's love for all creation. All creation. Jesus demonstrates this. We hear this in the stories of the Gospels. And we see it profoundly in his love for all people. He does not have the barriers of love that we are inclined to operate within. He loves people who are outside of the particular ethnicity. He loves people regardless of their age or stage in life. He loves people regardless of their status in life. I mean, think of it, how Jesus made connection, talked to a Samaritan, which Jews never do. Or think about how he welcomed little children into his midst, which people thought was odd. Or think about how it is that he sat at table with sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes. They weren't of the right class of people to have this one at their table. And yet Jesus demonstrates over and over again God's merciful, abundant love to all creation. So we see in Jesus what it means to live as a child of God. And Jesus wants us to see that, demonstrates it in his very life. And we all have ways that we can grow more more completely into being a child of God, living as one who is most definitely a child of God. The child of God piece is not yours to undo. It's already done. But now what does it mean to live as one, as a child of God? One way that people know is through the Spirit made manifest in us. We talk about that sometimes in gifts of the Spirit. And that can be a way to consider how it is that God is made manifest in you for the sake of God's world. You have particular gifts. I have particular gifts. They're not the same. We might have several that are similar, but we won't be the exact same package. I remember a few years ago taking a spiritual gifts inventory and finding those that are my favorite gifts and the ones that I'm most practiced in using and also seeing ones that I'm not that practiced in. Spiritual gifts that I don't readily reach for. They're not the first thing I think of to use in a particular situation. And one of those that was very low on the gifts that I use or have is mercy. Maybe that's a surprise to you, since I'm a priest and all. 
Mercy is about giving mercy in a state of um, whatever the situation calls for. It does have to do with compassion, but it's even more than compassion. So as I was looking at it, I began to think, what might it be for me to be more aware of what it means to be merciful? Because I know some of you in this very congregation here and now who have a very strong gift for mercy, and I'm in awe of what you most readily see in a given situation. So I decided I wanted to become more aware, cognizant of mercy. I wanted to see if I could help this grow in my own life. And so one particular Lent, I decided to be focused on mercy. I wasn't sure what or exactly how I would, but I thought in just paying attention, probably new things would be revealed to me, and I was right. I wasn't disappointed by what a simple act could, a difference a simple act could make in my own life and awareness. I remember during that season of Lent, I fasted on Friday as a commitment to remembering mercy. And so every time my stomach made a little grumble, I would remember mercy and consider how it was that God was revealing mercy or an opportunity to show it in my day. Those few weeks of Lent have stuck with me. It's already been more than a year. So how is it that we reflect who God is? Because we are children of God. What gifts has God put in each of us so that they might be expressed and shared in the world? And how do we allow those to be cultivated within us? We are made God's children not only through blood, but through adoption. And by that I mean sometimes people don't know how to see God. And they might even wonder why you act that way. What it is that made you say it that way in that kind of situation? Or why it is you respond in that situation with that kind of response? Somebody might ask you, why'd you do it that way? I hadn't thought of doing it like that. My friends, if someone asks you that question, be ready to say some type of answer that includes God. Don't worry if it's not a finished sentence. Don't worry if it's only one word. But allow yourself to tell people, well, it's, it's, um, it's like a spiritual thing. It has to do with God. That can be your answer. What God is showing into the world, God wants to do in and through us, and God will do that. And God will do that in ways beyond what we could imagine. That's God's gift to us in coming among us in Jesus, showing us that we are one with the Father, just by nature of our createdness which is what Jesus' prayer is at the end of John's Gospel. The very end, he prays that the disciples will remember that they are one with God, just as he is, and that they might live lives that reflect that certainty. So perhaps that's something that you can take on for this 2018 year. A New Year's resolution, if you will, to consider how is it that I show my heritage when people see me, do they see my likeness? Do they see how I'm like God? Might they discover who God is just because they come in contact with me? I don't know. But I would like for them to know the love, the mercy, the goodness, the forgiveness, the freedom, the joy that is God. And I want to know it more in my own life. 
Tell you what, I'll put on the website this week the spiritual gifts inventory. And you can go on there and do it yourself. See what it is that God has showered you with already. The things that give you joy and the ways that you carry out God's goodness in the world. I believe in, in that simple engagement, you'll become aware of what God has uniquely given you. How God is making God's self manifest in you. So that you can carry the good news of God in Jesus out into the world. Amen.